and uh, I, I trust that the Lord will use His Word in our lives. Sometimes, uh, I remember years ago when I was in college, the postlude that the piano and organ would play as we left chapel would kind of stay in our subconscious. And there were times I'd go to the dorm, and I'd be singing a song, and some of the hall guys would be humming a song. And I made the connection, the same, we're, we're hem, hemming, humming, humming the same song because we both subconsciously got that song in our brains as we were leaving from chapel. And my prayer is that we would get in our minds that we have to, look, life has a lot of challenges, and there's a lot more to come. You see, Pastor, that's kind of doom and gloom. Uh, 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 I'm trying to just tell us what the Bible says, right? Man is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble, and uh, challenges are going to face us until we get to heaven and we be with Jesus. Now, we would all love for the rapture to come today, except probably the unmarried girls, the young girls. They sometimes get this in their head. Oh, I don't want the rapture to come till I get married. And then they get married, and a couple days later, even so, come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> when they realize they married a guy, right? <laughs> Amen. Uh, but until Jesus comes, well, we got to keep believing him no matter what comes into our life. And we're looking this morning at the life of Jacob and uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and follow along as I read verse number 21. The Bible says this, By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Lord, we ask you this morning that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, do you know where we are? And Lord, quite frankly, you know what we're facing. Everyone here this morning, I'm sure, is facing some kind of a challenge, whether it be physical, uh, whether it be spiritual, mental, whatever, family, home. Lord, you know the challenges. And Lord, I do know this, that though we may not know the answer to all the ins and outs of the challenges that we face, we do know that you want us to believe you in the midst of it. And so, Lord, we ask today again that you would help us as we look at your word. Lord, I recognize if any work's to be done here, you must do it. So, Lord, I pray that you would do that work. And I ask you to draw us to yourself. And I ask, Lord, that you would increase our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you follow professional sports for any length of time, you come to the realization that uh, many of the athletes there don't play that sport for too long. They've got 10 years or 12 years or 15 years, and, and the athletes sometimes face a challenge of, when do I retire? They want to retire when they're on top, and yet they still want that other ring or thinking, hey, I can do a little more, and so there's kind of a balance there. Often an athlete starts out and they get better as they go until they reach their peak, and then if they continue, sometimes they go the opposite direction, and no real athlete wants to hear the newscasters say, that guy lost it. He should have retired a number of years ago. Jacob doesn't really reach a peak in his life until his deathbed. 
as we look at him being put in Hebrews 11, and we look at what God attaches it to, it attaches it to his deathbed. If you look at verse 21, when he was uh, dying, Jacob had some challenges in his life. We'll see this in just a minute. He had some challenges in his life, but yet, at the end of his life, the last three accounts that we read in Genesis 48 and 49, Jacob is in a bedridden state. And the Bible says, on his deathbed, he exercised faith, and the faith that he exercised put him in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. I want us to look at Jacob's life this morning, remind ourselves of some things as we think concerning believing God no matter what. Faith is believing God no matter what. And as I look at these few thoughts concerning Jacob in verse number 21, by the way, I want to call your attention to Genesis 48, if you could turn there. I want us to see, first of all, that if we're going to walk by faith, Faith believes God in spite of limitations. Faith believes God in spite of limitations. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter number 48 and verse number 1, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Jacob is in a worn-down state. He's got poor eyesight. He recognizes he's dying. One commentator said this, His body was ceasing to function well. The Hebrew word translated sick here does not mean a particular illness, which Jacob had, but a general demise of an aged body. The word means to be worn down in strength, to be weak, to be sick, to be diseased. Commentator said the word in the original conveys the idea of being worn down or becoming infirm through age or disease. Jacob was dying here, and he knew it. But this condition of being bedridden did not prevent him from being a blessing to others. His physical weakness did not weaken his faith. Faith is not conditioned on the health of the physical body. Faith can be powerful even though the body is weak. Jacob's faith was very strong at the end, even though his body was not. Faith believes God in spite of limitations. Now we think concerning Jacob here, Jacob obviously knew that the end was drawing near. And rather than him just saying, you know what, I've been there, I've done that, and I've got the t-shirt for that, I'm done. Jacob says, no, I have to continue to the end, and I've got to exercise faith in blessing the next generation. Uh, We can embrace an attitude of, hey, sometimes we can embrace an attitude of cynicism. We can embrace an attitude of, hey, uh, it's not going to make that much of of a difference anyway. Sometimes in times of uh, older age, as we grow older, sometimes you've, you've been there and you've seen the people and you've seen responses. And we can very easily say, you know what, I've done my job. I'm going to let someone else do the job. Can I say this? Our physical limitations should not keep us from serving the Lord. 
uh, we all have limitations, and as we get older, our limitations will grow greater and greater. Have you ever asked yourself a question, you know, maybe due to circumstances? You said, I wonder if God's trying to tell me something. You ever been there? A month or a month and a half ago or so, two months ago, my dad gave me this little book. It's a book by Nick Vujicic. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. V-U-J-I-C-I-C. Your Life Without Limbs. Here's a guy that's got no arms and no legs. And I go, oh, this is an interesting little pamphlet. I look at this and I think, all right, God, forgive me for complaining about anything. I'll never complain again right, until the next day. And then I see this book again. Brother Larry Hall last Sunday said, hey, Pastor, I'm going to show you a video. I'm going to send you a video. I said, okay. He said, this is really good, really spoke to my heart. It's a, it's a, it's a, by a fella, he didn't, maybe him and my dad got in cohorts together. It's a fellow that has no arms and no legs. I was like, oh, yeah, my dad just gave me a book by that guy. And he sent me a video where the fella is, I mean, he's on a table, and uh, he's preaching to a, a, at a prison full of men, and he's talking about how God, and he's traveling all the world, how God used him in spite of his limitations. And I thought, okay, Lord, you're trying to tell me something. Not just two people coming to me saying, hey, you ought to read this. Maybe the Lord wanted me to just share it with you this morning. I don't know. Do you know when you look at the word of God, when you look at the people of God, we talk about Moses this morning. Moses probably had an issue maybe with stuttering, had a speech issue. He said, the Lord, I, 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 I can't speak. And God wanted him to speak. I mean, you go through, you look at Gideon, and you look at uh, uh, David, you look at the apostle. I mean, you look all throughout the Word of God. Look at the Apostle Paul. The Word of God is full of individuals that God used that had limitations. And Jacob could have just checked out. He said, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm done. But no, on his deathbed, he believes God for the future. Uh, I was thinking concerning uh, the Ambassador Baptist College where my daughter is, Sarah. So it's good to have Sarah back. John's here on spring break here. And uh, you look at the uh, life story of Ron Comfort. I think he grew up in, in, uh, in New York. I think his mom was an alcoholic. And uh, he sang um, in, on radio, television, sang in nightclubs. And as a 15-year-old boy... God saved him and called him into evangelism. And God's used him all across the country. You see, he was limited. He sure was limited. But he gave his limitations to God. Faith believes God in spite of limitations. And sometimes we limit God because we think, hey, I can't play the piano like Burl or play the organ like Chrissy. By the way, Chrissy, I don't know where you are. You got to go over to the Raps. I'm inviting you to the Raps for dinner, and you got to play that organ. They got an organ there. I played it, but you have to push the pedals so the air comes through the organ and you play it at the same time. I'm telling you, I played it as best as I could. I gave it all I got. But you got to go do that, Chrissy, and uh, work out before you do because you'll get a workout. Do a leg workout. In any event, we limit God because we think I'm limited. Don't limit God. Jacob had a lot of limitations. I want you to see, secondly, as I look at this chapter, Genesis chapter 48, I want us to recognize that faith not only believes God in spite of limitations, faith believes God in spite of failures. In Genesis chapter 48 and verse number 3, 
The Bible says, actually, let's, let's pick up in verse 2. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. He's talking about his communication with God and, and God's blessing, and he's going to pass his blessing down now onto the two sons of Joseph. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Now, it's interesting as we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, as we look at this and we see here the blessing of, of, uh, of, of Jacob is going to Joseph's sons, not his own, as we think concerning Reuben and Simeon. In First Chronicles chapter number 5, in, wor- in verse number 1, you don't have to turn there, you can if you want to, the Bible says this, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, the one that would normally get the birthright, the one that would normally get the blessing, for he was the firstborn, but forasmuch as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. His oldest son, Reuben, was immoral. One of his concubines, you might say, Bilhah. And it disqualified him. You know, when we first find Jacob, Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob had some challenges in his life. Jacob had some challenges in his family situation. And yet, knowing that he had challenges, knowing that he had failures, he still believed God and still went ahead and said, hey, I'm going to bless the sons of Joseph. Look at what he says about God. In verse verse 3, God Almighty appeared to me. Verse 4, he says, God says, hey, I'm going to make you fruitful and I will make of thee a multitude and will give this land to thy seed. What do we see in Jacob's life? We see in Jacob's life a man that believed God as he communicates what God said that God would do. In verse 15, when he blesses Joseph, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. What's he communicating It's God, not me. The angel which redeemed me from evil, bless the lads and let thy name be named on them. And he gives, as he communicates with Joseph and as he blesses Joseph's sons, he does acknowledge the goodness of God. You see, when we recognize this, you know, our faith is in God. God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. And sometimes we see our own failures. Jacob could have beat himself up for his own children and for his own issues. But at the end of his life, he recognizes God was faithful to him in spite of his failures. I tell you this, the devil will do everything he can to beat us up. 
and to limit us and to think God can only do so much with me because of the failures in my own life. You say, well, I, I come from a divorced home. That doesn't matter. God can overcome that. Yeah, but you don't understand my past. I used to do this and used to do that. And the Apostle Paul told Timothy, I used to persecute the church. Hey, I used to murder preachers. Hey, I was blasphemous. I was injurious. But God was faithful and God enabled me. And God, Timothy, put me into the ministry. Just like we can look through the pages of the Scripture and we can see physical limitations, we can look through the pages of the Scriptures, we can find a whole host of people that failed God and failed God in a miserable way. Peter went out and wept bitterly. You say, why? Because Peter denied the Lord. Lord, I'm here. I'm the only one serving you. I'm the only one faithful. And he denies him three times. Boy, Peter had challenges. But God loves him enough. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And God restores Peter and uses him in a great way in the book of Acts. We think concerning the challenges that David had. I mean, here David commits sin with Bathsheba, and here David murders Uriah, her husband. And yet we look in the Word of God and we read the Psalms. And we read where David said, My bones waxed whole through my roaring all the day long. And we read the Psalms where David said, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. And we look at the word of God and we think God still could use a David and God could use a Saul and God can use uh, you put whoever you want to put in there and God can use you and me. Don't let your past failures limit God. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The devil will do what he can to pull that thing up again and pull that thing up again and say, but you, but you, but you did this and you did that. We need to look at the devil and say, yes, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I remember sitting in a Bible college class Old professor sat at the table and he would talk concerning Christ's intercessory work in heaven. He painted a picture that I wish I could picture, that I wish I could paint. I can't paint it like he did. I tell you this, he painted such a real picture. It wasn't the dry eye in the whole room of preacher boys as he talked concerning Satan, the accuser of the brethren that goes to God. And he says, you see that guy down there? Look at Brother Brown down there. Look at what he just did. And he said, as Satan accuses us before God, he said, then Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father, stands up and says, yes, he did that. But look at my hands. I shed my blood for him, and he's one of mine. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. We cannot limit God. We have to keep believing God in spite of our own failures. Number three. Genesis chapter 48, I want you to see this. Faith believes God in spite of disappointments. In Genesis 48, verse 9, And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see, and he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them, and embrace them. Verse number 11. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not 
thought to see thy face. And lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. If you look a few pages back and go to Genesis 42 and verse number 36, Jacob had his share of disappointments in life. Obviously, Joseph was sold into slavery and the brothers came and told him he had died and he had to go through all that. In verse 36 of Genesis 42, Jacob, their father, said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not. They wanted, Joseph wanted them to bring Benjamin. And he says this, And will you take Benjamin away? Look at the next phrase. All these things are against me. You ever feel like that? (laughs) You ever feel like, hey... I just feel like everywhere I turn, it seems like trials come in pairs or triplets, you know. They come in, in multiples. It's not just I face one thing, but I face two or three. And here Jacob is saying, all these things are against me. He communicates to Joseph on his deathbed, wow, I didn't think I was going to ever see you again. And now I'm seeing your children. God does not operate like we do. Joseph is thinking in Genesis chapter 42 that everything's against him. I'm holding on to Benjamin. Joseph, he's, he's dead and I'm holding on to Benjamin and now you want me to send Benjamin. God on the other side is working all things together for his good, Jacob's good, and for God's glory. Jacob doesn't know that. And we see the whole picture. But imagine putting yourself right in Genesis 42, right there where Jacob is. Hey, he's got to exercise some faith. And in doing so, we see the story unfold and we see God glorified in a great way. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher. His ways are not our ways. But his way, the way of the Lord, is perfect and sometimes we get disappointed not just with people but sometimes we can find ourselves disappointed with God there's a book out there I know at least one maybe more that's entitled disappointment with God Martha and Mary were disappointed Lazarus was sick hey go get Jesus if Jesus can come Lazarus will get better Just go get Jesus, and Jesus delays his coming. And when Jesus shows up, here he is. Mary, I I think Mary, she's still in the house. Martha's there, and Martha says, Jesus, Lord, if if you had been here, Lazarus hadn't died. Can I put it in modern terms? Lord, I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed that you didn't operate the way I think you should have operated. Hey, go get Mary. Mary, Jesus is here. The master calleth for thee. She comes. She has the same burden. Lord, if you had been here, he hadn't died. And what does Jesus do in that story? He shows them, rolled the stone, a great, mighty work. He allowed them to go through disappointment with what he was doing to show them a bigger picture. 
God will do the same with us. He'll allow us to face disappointments in life, to say, hey, I, I thought God was going to do this. I thought God was going to operate in this way, and he didn't. I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter number 28, and I want to show you two, two passages of Scripture that I find encouragement in. In 1 Chronicles chapter number 28, God communicates in verse number 3 to David. David loved the Lord. David had problems before David died. He wanted to build the temple for the Lord. And, and, and he communicates, and Nathan says, well, do what God's put on your heart. Then God talks to Nathan and says, I don't want David to build this temple. In verse 3 of 1 Chronicles 28, God says this. The Bible says this. But God said unto me, this is David, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. God's way is different than David's. But turn over one chapter and look at chapter 29 and follow along as I read some of these verses here. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for things to be made of gold, the silver of silver, the brass of brass, the wood for things of wood. Verse 3. Moreover, I have set my affection to the house of my God. I have of mine own proper gold, good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. And he lists what he's given. Verse 5, the gold for things of gold, the silver of silver, the latter part of that verse. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? You see, Pastor, why do you read that? I read those passages of Scripture because here's why. David wanted to build a temple for God, and God said no. And David didn't say, okay, fine. If I can't do it, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm taking my money, and I'm going elsewhere. David threw his whole heart and soul and his pocketbook, he threw it into the temple of God because he was committed to God and the work of God, and he was committed to a temple that he wouldn't even use. Hey, he was disappointed. But he allowed his disappointment to say, you know what, God, if this is what you want, I wanted to do it, but if this is what you want, then that's what I want. And sometimes we find ourselves limiting God because we focus on the disappointments in life. We have to recognize there are times in life when we just have to say, okay, God, if this is what you're doing, even though I thought you were going to do this, if this is what you're doing, I am going to embrace what you're doing, and I'm going to throw my whole self in because I want to do what you want me to do. Number four, and lastly, I want us to see this. Faith not only believes God in spite of limitation. We're going to walk by faith. We need to believe God in spite of failure. We need to believe God in spite of disappointment. But number four, I want you to see this, and we'll be finished. We need to believe God in spite of resistance. In Genesis chapter 48 and verse number 14, the Bible says this, And Israel stretched out his right hand, and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger. Oh, we looked at this last week. It came to Isaac. 
and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God, let's see, he blesses them. And then we go to verse number 17. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand and removed it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. Manasseh was the firstborn. Hey, the, the birthright, if you would, was going not to the firstborn, but to the secondborn. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, verse 18, for this is the firstborn, put thy hand upon his head. And his father, now let me, before we read the next verse, let me explain, let's remind ourselves, Joseph was one of the most powerful rulers in Egypt, second to Pharaoh. What Joseph said happened. Nobody challenged or questioned Joseph. And Joseph is challenging now Jacob. And he says, hey, you got this wrong. And Jacob says this. I know it, verse 19. He also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God, make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you. Jacob on his deathbed. Hey, it would have been a lot easier. Hey, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you want, Joseph. That's fine with me. Jacob believed God. And he communicated to Joseph the will of God. And when Joseph said, I don't think it's going to be this way, Jacob said, Yes, it is. And Jacob was willing, and of course, he's on his deathbed. You know, I guess a ruthless king could have said, be gone with him. <laughs> he's about to be gone with himself, as we see at the chapter here. But he's got the boldness enough and the faith enough to say, hey, I know what God has told me to do. Faith believes God in spite of resistance. They told the disciples, we don't want you to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. You're not allowed to do it. We don't want you to do it. You're not allowed to do it. And they said what? We ought to obey God rather than men. Hey, we've got a job to do, they said. Hey, God told us, go on Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Yes, you don't like it, but that's okay. You can take that up with the Lord. You see, we're very quick. We're very quick to back down on proclaiming truth or taking a stand. Really willing to say, yes, I'm a Christian. The funny thing about it is we're not willing to do it here in America where if you say, hey, I'm a Christian... They might just say, ah, oh, you're good for nothing, and walk away. In other nations, you say, I'm a Christian, and they go, boom, and you meet your maker. And yet, there's still believers in other nations that will say, yes, I'm a Christian. Go ahead and shoot me. Hey, we have to recognize we're going to face resistance as we believe an almighty great God 
who's sovereign in this world can work in people's lives. Well, we, people think, our government thinks they got a lot of power, and they're just it, all of it, and a bag of chips, they say. The only power they have is the power that God allows them to have. And that quick, God can be done with them. You know, we serve a great and powerful God, and we must believe him no matter what. Let me read you a poem, and we'll be finished. It's called The Quitter. I've taught a class for many years, borne many burdens, toiled through the tears, but folks don't notice me a bit. I'm so discouraged, I'll just quit. Some time ago, I joined the choir. Many souls I might inspire, but folks don't seem moved a bit. So what's the use to sing? I'll just quit. I've labored long in women's work, and not a task did ever shirk, but folks have talked a little bit, and I won't stand it. I'll just quit. I've led young people day and night and sacrificed to lead them right, but folks won't help me out a bit. I'm so tired, I think I'll quit. Christ's cause is hindered everywhere, and folks are dying in despair. The reason why? Just a bit. The church is full of folks who quit. Whatever you're going through today, you seem nobody understands. God does. Whatever limitations you face, God knows all about it. Whatever failures, wherever you've messed up, God knows all about it. You see, boy, I thought God was going to do this, and he didn't. He knows all about it. He's working. Hey, we have to walk by faith and believe him no matter what. Lord, thank you for the life of Jacob. Thank you, Lord. His life was kind of challenging but on his deathbed he believed you and you put him in Hebrews 11 Lord it's never too late for us to change the trajectory of our lives because we decide to believe you in spite of us